0: Hello there and welcome to the IT Modernization podcast series, which is brought to you by CIO and our partners Dell, VMware, Intel and Insight. I'm Doug Water, a contributing editor at CIO, and today I'm joined by Dell's Nigel Moulton, VMware's Lee Dilworth and Intel's Matt Penny. Chaps, can you uh, give a very quick intro to yourself, perhaps starting with you, Nigel? Yes. Hi, everybody. Thank you for
1: joining us. My name is Naja Moulton. I'm a CTO within Dell, and I am responsible for the cloud and the convergence and the data center part of our business. So, thanks for listening.
0: Fantastic. And over to you, Lee.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good, day, good morning, everybody. I'm Lee Dilworth. I'm a chief technologist with VMware uh, Europe, and I work uh, in the cloud platform team. Uh, so, I'm responsible for uh, you know, everything around you know landing the platform successfully with customers, whether that's multi-cloud. Uh, you know, private cloud uh, and everything
0: that goes in between. Fantastic. And finally, over to Matt, who's, uh, I should say, it's his birthday today. So over to you, Matt. Yes, thank you very much. Um, great to be here.
3: Um, my name is Matt Penny. I've been at Intel for over 15 years, um, and I'm running the Intel account team that's looking after our largest customer, Dell Technologies.
0: And delighted to be here. Fantastic. All right, well, thanks all for that intro. Um, so just a brief uh, intro really into the series as a whole, we're going to be investigating how IT leaders are modernizing their IT estates, how they're reimagining their infrastructure, their applications and operations, and all the while, of course, trying to battle that sizable social, economic and technological changes that we're seeing with COVID-19. So a lot to discuss in the series as a whole. Um, But in this first episode, we're really going to dive into where most CIOs and CTOs are today. You know, are they accelerating transformation initiatives? Are they balancing the books? Are they pushing forward with new cloud native projects? Or are they cancelling or postponing these projects for cost-cutting exercises? These are some of the questions I'll be asking along the way. Um, So we look forward to diving into some of that in the three episodes in this series. But I guess to get started then, um, Lee, I want to start with you on this. And we'll go around the table, the virtual table, I guess. What do you see as the kind of current IT and business priorities right now? I mentioned cost-cutting there. Uh, we're hearing a bit here at CIO about IT rationalisation, less line of business collaboration, and a greater emphasis on business continuity, disaster recovery, and cybersecurity. But what do you see at VMware in terms of those IT and business priorities, and and how they've changed through this crisis? Really?
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's been
0: interesting. You know, we've
2: we've all lived through and are living through um, you know uncertain times, and uh, you know that's obviously had an impact uh, on our customers and uh, on their projects. Um, you know, I think at a very high level, you know, most customers are still, um, you know, working on you know the transformation projects that they potentially only had in flight anyway. Um, you know, what has changed in recent months uh, has been a, an increased focus on. I guess initially, in the, in the first phase, you know, the focus was very much on on business continuity. Um, you know, not necessarily disaster recovery per se, but you know, ensuring that uh, you know the IT team were supporting the business. Uh, and ensuring that you know they could handle uh, you know the shift to maybe a, a remote a remote workforce um and so maybe you know changes in their kind of business model and as we kind of got through that um you know the focus has kind of shifted into you know maybe what some people refer to as almost like a silent running uh, approach which is you know just to uh you know, let things settle down for a little bit um, look at uh, the projects that are in flight and maybe you know put a little bit more priority on those with a a very predictable uh, ROI for the next few months um, but also you know in parallel with that you know really start to focus on uh, you know I say the project that maybe was already in flight around digital transformation and look into the future because I think that's that's one thing that has been you know very obvious um, you know in recent months and weeks is the importance of uh, you know, moving to a design and a platform that brings you that level of you know agility and flexibility and, and how that can become very important very quickly, uh, as we've all seen. Um, so it, it's given customers a chance to actually go and, you know, refocus some efforts around, you know, the plans that they maybe had put out for maybe one or two years. You bring those ideas forward now because they realize the importance of them. So it's, um, yeah, it's been, thankfully for most customers, uh, uh, you know, relatively, um, you know, painless experience in terms of disaster recovery but certainly a lot of focus on business continuity and a lot of focus right now on accelerating change
0: fantastic thanks lee and matt i'll go to you at this point i know you want to talk about these kind of four key areas um that organizations have been focused on and then finally to you yeah i think yeah let me add, add to lee's point you
3: know definitely acceleration is is the key word you know we've seen two years worth of digital transformation you know really happen in in two or three months. Um, And that's put a huge amount of pressure on IT. Um, But at the same time, it's provided a new focus on business priorities. And it's those companies that have overcome their internal barriers and increased that technology adoption that have really demonstrated a fortitude, I'd imagine, in sort of taking their business model apart and reinventing it, uh, whether that be from their supply chains or you know up to the customer engagement, so lots of transformation in, in in a couple of months. And as you mentioned there, Doug, you know when we talk to our customers and CIOs, there's really four key areas that are prevalent in those IT discussions. Um, number one is you know our new world of work is decentralized. Um, employees like ourselves, you know, need ways to connect. We're staying at home. We've got to stay productive. And we've seen this huge growth in data collaboration and sharing applications that IT you know, have had to manage much more diligently than they had to manage before. I think secondly, the thing that we hear from IT organizations is the need to go faster. And we'll come on to this you know, through podcast two and three. But it's how do you choose that right multi-cloud strategy? What is the effective way to scale your services up and down? And how do you continue to be agile? Uh, number three in the topics of the conversations is really around um, data analytics and AI. Both of those continue to grow in importance. Um, the ability to analyze data and create that intelligence for better outcomes is definitely becoming way more important. And whether that be companies shifting to online, companies that are creating new products or services, or companies that are just looking at inventing new processes to become more efficient and stay ahead of the game, remain competitive. Uh, and the last element that we look at when we're talking to IT is security. Um, again, with that decentralized workforce and the growing adoption of edge computing, you know it makes it paramount to have the right comprehensive and the right multi-layered security strategy. So for us at Intel, all of those four aspects really need to be evaluated to ensure IT remain resilient um, for both uncertainty um, and beyond, and what
0: could happen next. Fantastic. Thanks for that, Matt. And we'll come on to some of those points, I think, in, as you said in the episodes two and three. But um, yeah, Nigel, for now, i really really keen to pass the baton to you. You want to speak about the kind of core and non-core parts of the business, and then perhaps that's a quite nice lead into the impact on the CIO role. But for now, what's your kind of opening thoughts on on those priorities and how they've really shifted in recent months?
1: Yeah, so, so firstly, I, I agree wholeheartedly with what Matt and Lee have already said around the maturity of a, of a digital transformation journey, a recognition that uh, you need to be going faster because uh, the thing, you know, the, the whole COVID thing has affected everybody. It's not been selective in terms of only certain verticals. If you're in retail, you're experiencing these seismic shifts. If you're in healthcare, you're experiencing seismic shifts. But so the ability to do with that and the... Um, ability of your IT teams to support you through that. I think Leon and, uh, and Matt have spoken eloquently about how IT professionals have helped all of our organizations, you know, move remote workers to home, et cetera, et cetera, right? When you zoom back out, though, there are probably two macro level effects. One is the desire to preserve cash. So the idea that I will make massive capital investments in infrastructure or that I will continue to acquire IT set assets in, in in only a capex way I think that model is being challenged like it's never been challenged before and later on in this podcast we're going to talk about some of the moves to you know operational expense versus capital expense for how you actually go through part of your IT modernization journey so I think that is one overriding factor that every CIO or every IT professional listening to this will have been experiencing is a pressure from within the business to preserve cash. And then, Doug, your second point around this is actually a fantastic opportunity for a business to look at what is actually core to what it does and what is non-core. And there might be a desire to divest areas of the business or maybe to make investments in other areas of the business where actually those business models, if delivered digitally, actually strengthen core element of work that you do and actually gives you an opportunity to capture market share in the areas in which you operate. But again, thinking about it, somewhat black and white in terms of those areas that, that are definitely core to, to, to the things you do, and perhaps things which are a little bit more peripheral, which uh, might at sometimes uh, seem like a, a luxury item as, as a part of your business. There might be some thinking around how you reevaluate that. And again, how you sort of wrap a technology uh, piece around it to be able to deliver that service better or to take advantage of an opportunity that you see open up in the market. Again, that might not be core to what you do, but might be of interest to you.
0: Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And I think we'll discuss in in detail some of um, uh, those opportunities, I guess, in in the next few moments. But Nigel, I guess sticking with you, you you've spoken there about the core, -core non-core aspects of business, uh, the move to kind of away from CapEx to OpEx what's the the impact that we're seeing here in terms of the i mentioned right at the start about the social the economical the technological changes we're seeing what's what's the impact there on the cio role in particular Because i've heard kind of contrasting things there that some cios have seized the opportunity to, to really be a business leader and accelerate some of these projects but in other respects we're seeing other cios not quite go back to the old age old IT of kind of firefighting, but they have been pushed more back into uh, keeping the lights on, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know, that there's there's definitely something you said, Doug, in this ability to step up. Because if you are a CIO or a CTO in any business, you know, the business has sort of always looked to you to actually lead the digital initiatives that, that your business runs and the extent to which you as an individual are able to sort of directly influence your board because you can actually bring very positive impact to bear on the business. I think what covid has done, you know, just the desire to have a whole bunch of people working from home was something that would have squarely fallen onto you and your team's shoulders. And your ability to execute that, your ability to demonstrate to the business that remote working is possible, that the collaboration tools that we've all become familiar with are actively used within every organization that we talk to, and can be massively beneficial to employees in terms of still feeling connected to the business, still being able to work within the business, right? So I think what the past period of time has shown us is that when you actually turn the spotlight on the CIO or the CTO, that spotlight has always been there. What I think has happened most recently is somebody's dramatically turned up the wattage. So this is absolutely an opportunity, if you weren't doing it already, to demonstrate to the you know, the senior leaders who you who share who you share uh, board positions with, certainly, about the impact of digital and the way in which you as a business can successfully manage elements of a transition, be they people, be they product, be they service, but moving them to a more digital, more decentralized model, as Matt, as, as referenced earlier, this is now very much on your shoulders and a great opportunity to actually sort of uh, demonstrate the positive impacts, Doug, that you were talking about. Yeah. In, question
0: that you asked yeah fantastic i love the the wattage analogy there i think it's very pertinent where we are um i mean just keeping on that that vein of acceleration seizing that opportunity um matt coming to you on this we're speaking broadly about this being an opportunity to accelerate some of those plans uh to what degree do you think at the moment that organizations you know should they stick or twist on on transformation yeah. because there is a cost piece in there there is a resource element too what's your view on that
3: yeah it's uh, it's definitely a tough one isn't it as as nigel said the wattage has definitely been turned up and i think you'll find that actually most organizations have probably already pivoted and if they haven't pivoted you know they're going through lots of strains um certainly in this world you need to be able to um to definitely pivot into this new operation of, um, of Mirandum, and I think you know, for all of us on this um, on this podcast, you know, technology um, and its creative use is needed more than ever. If you look at you know, Bell, Dell, VMware, Intel, you know, we're all providing those vital services and tools and infrastructure um, to millions of people around the world who are struggling with this virus, and I think. The way to look at this virus is that lives can be very different for everyone around the world after this virus is history. And you could look at the different sectors: education or healthcare. You know, doctors and patients will now communicate from a greater distance. Educators will find lessons in distance learning to make online classes more effective and meaningful. Retail will change their games when it comes to uh, takeaway and new services. Um, Shops will have to change the way they they um, do business to to stay alive and. I've got a good example at at Intel where we've had to twist. Um, You know, Intel, huge manufacturing operations. um, Our factories are running 24 by 7, you know, shipping 5 million components every single day, whether that's a CPU, a chipset, a networking card or SSD. And of course, you know, job number one for Intel is to deliver that uninterrupted supply. And for us, when COVID hit, you know, with country lockdowns, restrictions on flights that were growing by the hour, we saw a freight capacity drop of 90% in some locations. So for us, you know, there was no option but twisting. Um, you know, we had to come together, break down silos, operate with more agility, operate with velocity, and really partner in many ways to be continuing to be successful. Um, you know, we worked with government authorities to help ensure worker safety. We had to implement our own charter planes, our own trucks to move products around the world. We had to coordinate with 600 suppliers, you know, documenting safety protocols that met the World Health Organization. And for us, you know, fortunately, we managed to get 90% of our deliveries out there um, on time. And if they weren't on time, they sort of had a 48-hour delay. So I think for us, this key learning over the last four months has really been anticipate the worst, um, adapt for the unexpected. Um, act, creativ- act, act creatively, act act greatly, and then be open to innovation. Because if you're not, you're going to stifle your own organization, and you're going to limit what you can actually do as a company. So, my definite view is you've got to keep twisting, you've got to keep accelerating, you've got to keep pushing through, to make sure that you can compete in this um, in this new world.
0: Fantastic, thanks, Matt. So, yeah, really good um, story of your own journey that you've been on there at uh, Intel. Um, I mean Lee coming to you next I think we're speaking here a lot about yeah as Matt just said the the need to twist to seize the opportunity that digital presents during a crisis like now Um, and obviously I guess a lot of what underpins that is this kind of concept of IT modernization Um, but even given what Matt's has spoken about that I mean how much of that is undergoing change as it is you know I think we've heard here at CIO um, you know Number of CIOs talking about smaller, more iterative, iterative if I can say the word, IT projects. Um, you know, faster cycles, changing sign-off process, um, and also we've done some research uh, with Insight, uh, Intel, down VMware, which showed that most CIOs said a huge barrier to IT modernization itself was simply competing priorities. There being too many things to to choose from and, and to know where to place their bets. Really, so. Yeah. What, what's your, your thoughts on that? Are you seeing uh, changes there in IT modernization or are we still seeing these kind of big bang launches of the past?
2: Well, I think it's interesting because, you know, when we look at, um, you know, what happened this year, you know, there was a, a natural kind of reaction from, you know, many, many internal you know, teams that I work with to, you know, we, we need to speak to customers and, and focus on, uh, you know, what we can do from a business continuity slash disaster recovery Um uh, you know, messaging point of view, and and that was, you know, I, I guess inevitable that people would jump to that conclusion that that was the right thing to do, and and I think one of the things that that we did well with our customers, and to you know, you know, with the likes of you know Dell and Intel, is to kind of pull back from that a little bit. You know, that was maybe the natural tendency and eagerness from the you know, the marketing and the technical marketing teams to help, but the reality is, you know, most of our customers were already. Starting to work on, you know, going back, you know, last year and the year before, on, you know, the things that they needed to do to allow them to, you know, focus more on an applications and less on, you know, hardware and maintenance, you know, and and it's actually those fundamentals that we've been talking to customers about for, you know, the last, you know, God, God knows how many years in terms of helping customers transform the way that they deliver IT services. To quote Nigel, and you know, all that happened, this really the wattage had turned up on the importance of this. You know, maybe a couple of years ago a lot of people thought, you know, software-defined networking, storage, and everything else had the word software defined in front of it. it was all just, you know, architecture and, and vendors trying to sell technology and solutions. But you know, what really happened this year is everybody started to see the value in, you know, we need to change the way that we deliver we need to think about the application from the top down that's what's become you know important you know yes you know we we, we're going to deliver um you know more agility we're going to deliver you know we're going to decrease the tco uh, we're going to try and remove the dependencies but you know what became obvious to a lot of people this year is why we were doing that you know why the people and the process side of it was so critical to be able to have the right level of uh, you know business continuity to have the flexibility to adapt the delivery of the applications and the services, not just through infrastructure that you potentially owned yourself, but also having options around you know multi-cloud architectures. And then you know the value of that became very obvious uh, in recent months. So yeah, I, I think you know what really happened is um, you know for those customers that were maybe a little bit on the fence or slightly concerned about you know is this the right architectural direction for them to go in it really you know gave them that confidence to yeah as nigel rightly said nobody went out in the last three months and you know bought a ton of hardware and put it in a data center and and did everything they would potentially normally do uh, to build a new platform because you just simply couldn't do that uh, for all the obvious reasons that we all know Um, but what customers did do is they did use that time wisely and really start to firm up the plans and accelerate their plans for as restrictions did start to, you know, be relaxed in terms of moving people around and moving equipment around, that they would be ready to embrace that, um, you know, at the right time. So, I think it's uh, it, it's been, you know, I guess there wasn't if there's any positives that came out of this, is it really has given customers the confidence in their, you know, their designs for the next five or ten years. You know, they're they're all moving away from maybe designs that were built on ideas that were five or ten years back, and uh, you know, and customers want to make sure that. The projects they're working with us on now are, are going to give them that right level of flexibility and agility and an application focus that they now have seen very clearly front and center in recent weeks and months that they absolutely need to take them forward digitally um you know in the next five or ten years yeah. so yeah it's uh it, it's been a, it's been actually a, a kind of a, a very unique period of time which is you know given cios ctos and architects to sit down on Zoom, <laughs> albeit many, many Zoom conversations with the, the likes of Nigel, Matt, and myself, um, you know, and really bottom out these designs for the next five or ten years.
0: Yeah, fantastic, thanks, Liam. We're going to discuss more about, um, I guess, the impact of multi-cloud in in the next episode. But um, Nigel, I want to kind of extend on that point that Lee just mentioned about the value being driven, you know, top down, looking at your application. Uh, estate and the benefits that that can bring in terms of agility well not just agility and, and TCO dependencies but what it can enable you to do as a business um, what what are you kind of seeing in terms of that modernization of application development at the moment not at least what we're going through but um, yeah what do you kind of see the, the patterns or trends on, on that point?
1: So I think um, the, the the observation is is a couple of fold. so firstly um, you know this isn't a cloud day one observation for most people you know most of the people listening to this will be on some sort of cloud journey they'll have elements of their application estate that sits with what I call the hyperscalers the likes of Amazon Microsoft or Google they'll have elements that, that have remained on premise and there's always this been this tension around why should I place something in, in a certain sort of location given that cloud is actually an operating model not, not a destination per se so so as we entered the this period, there was a degree of work that was already ongoing. But this has been a perfect opportunity, I think Lee said this, to actually reset and rethink. and Therefore, you need a plan. You do need to think about what are the criteria that would dictate the most efficient operation and running of an application set, given its age and its legacy, or given its cloud-native capabilities, the fact that you can sort of blend all of these uh, different application architectures together, you know, one, that's fantastically difficult to achieve, and two, you actually need a starting point. You need a set of questions effectively that would say, okay, given this is what my application state looks like, given that uh, capital uh, cost reduction is, is key on my agenda, given that driving digital maturity is key on my agenda, what do I need to think about? Can we have a principle here at, at Dell and VMware where we talk about something called the six R's, and the six R's are the different actions that you can take based on a set of desired outcomes. And these R's are everything from repurchasing, so moving to software as a service. So you know we at uh, we at Dell, when we acquired EMC, uh, for example, rather than reconstructing our entire HR application landscape, we moved the entire thing to Workday. So, Workday became as, an, as a service application that every manager within the business had access to, and the quality of the information that was provided and the way in which it worked was a significant improvement on anything that we could have engineered ourselves within the company. So, repurchasing an application and the capability in some cases is a is a value. We typically look at that and say, does it intrinsically add any value to your brand? Uh, and if the answer is no then as a service is sometimes a, a, a place that you can go, right? You could put Dell's email, for example, behind one of the hyperscaler products and, and people wouldn't know the difference, right? At the other end of the spectrum is something called retiring. The idea that an application could be turned off because it no longer adds any value, it's got too much technical debt, the actual end of life and, and support from a from a software capability is it's no longer there. And then in the middle of the those extremes, if you imagine repurchase at one extreme, and retire at the other extreme, you have the combinations of things like refactoring, rehosting, rewriting, and retaining. And these application stacks are something that you know ourselves in VMware very, very happily would talk to you about how we think about the different cloud capabilities that are then needed to support those different application landscapes, be given, because given that you might be moving from sort of a pure uh, monolithic set of software structures that you are going to repurpose and rewrite into maybe containerized Linux, which lends itself to Kubernetes distributions of how you actually provide for that. Again, so as you go through the application journey, the follow-up question that we can help sort of uh, answer is, where's the best place to do this? Is this best on-premise for a whole bunch of good reasons, or actually an agreement and arrangement you might already have in place with a hyperscaler? But it's the ability, one, to have a plan, and two, To be able to look at this somewhat holistically and say, right, cloud is an operating model. What is the best operating model for the application stack that I am looking at and how do I drive the highest levels of efficiency, the lowest levels of cost, the minimum levels of risk, the highest levels of performance by actually mixing all of these things together? And as I said, with Dell and VMware, we have that sort of methodology in place and would be happy to talk to folks external to this podcast about how it is that we would that we would help you solve for
0: that there's some good comments on there on on placement and um i think you're uh, we're going to touch on that aren't we in more detail i guess on, on episode two but um i mean lee coming to you briefly on this how much of you know right now there's a lot of hype around multi-cloud cloud native in particular but i think what was quite striking for me when speaking to you previously was this idea that for many that isn't going to be the reality you know getting to getting you know their legacy estate or technical debt may hinder them from from that progress can you just talk us through a bit about that and I guess um a reality check for for some CIOs that perhaps uh, are bound by that legacy uh kind of s- setup that they've currently got
2: yeah you know I mean we're probably going to drill into a little bit a bit more of this on uh on you know, episodes two and three but um yeah you, you've got to think about you know, fundamentally, you know, delivering applications at any kind of scale is all about ensuring the applications have a couple of key ingredients that they need, whether that's storage data services, networking services, computer services, security services. You know, and these are the you know the kind of a thread of, of the, the conversation today is about transforming to a platform that can deliver these in a very agile, um, you know, hands-off kind of way, you know, moving away from maintenance and focusing on applications, which is what we've been talking about. You know, and also customers have to be realistic, you know, in terms of you know, if you don't do that, you're not going to free up the time that your operational and applications team will need to to even focus on on the applications because they're still going to be bogged down with the maintenance and the management of infrastructure, which is what customers are rapidly trying to get away from and I guess make that uh, somebody else's problem, i.e. us. Um, but You've also got to look at, uh, you know, your application landscape. You know, most customers are not going to, uh, you know, transform applications that are still running in like a Windows 2003 VM, for example. You know, if it's still sat in a Windows 2003 VM now, uh, and you haven't moved it to 2008, then you've got to be honest with yourself. You're probably never going to. You're certainly not going to convert it into a container. Um, but what you can do with a with a relevant platform and architecture like a multi cloud approach is, you can look to find a new home for that application family that will have the relevant support around it at a cost efficient level and you place it there um you know many customers are doing that so it's you know having a strategy for you know putting a fence around the existing applications but also giving yourself a new platform that can deliver the new applications again we'll drill into that a little bit more in the next few few episodes but it's um yeah it's just making sure that you have the time to have those conversations with us about how applications are being delivered about the kind of projects that we're working on. Um, you know, and a lot of customers are really starting to do that now in a, in a very kind of aggressive, constructive way, you know, you know what are we seeing in you know, other verticals, you know, what's happening in this vertical, how are they delivering applications? And it's, it's really encouraging to see those questions pivot to that top down approach because I guess many of us coming from infrastructure spot most of our careers focusing on the tin at the bottom. Um, but now we're seeing that transition, which is really encouraging.
3: Yeah, and that's a good point. Actually, um, Lee, if you, if you look at the data from Dell, you know most businesses on average are now deploying five different cloud architectures, uh, and if you couple that with you know your VMware data, you can see that we'll definitely see a doubling of workloads. I think from 250 million to 500 million over the next decade, which 80% of those will be cloud-led. So as you mentioned about you know coming from the tin world, we're going to be moving from a 50% traditional IT. You know, down to about a 20% traditional IT as we go through um, you know, 2020 and beyond. So it's a very, very exciting time. And I think you know, to wrap it up, there, there's no single perfect cloud model. Um, there's no um, one size fits all. I think every business, you know, needs to look at their technical characteristic of their workloads, whether that's performance, security, integration, or the data requirements. And I think once you've done that, you can then consider the cloud ecosystem. But but first, you've got to look at what is the best approach for your business as you know as we've spoken about fantastic
0: thanks matt um, so we're pretty much out of time but i guess going around uh the, the table what's your kind of final practical tips uh we've spoken a lot here today about um not necessarily just modernization but also resilience uh building a kind of robust infrastructure as well so um matt can i keep with you and then to nigel and lee yeah very simple i've got you know three tips
3: um for it modernization number one um you know set your expectations for moving to the cloud you know understand the different public and private cloud options and how they align to your current and future business needs Um, number two make sure that your it team has the right talent you know to manage that decentralized work environment but at the same time manage the cloud workflow policies and automation and then finally my third tip is have some governance on the data and cost of cloud. Um, you know, Organizations often go to the cloud for cost, but it can actually be more expensive in the beginning. So you know, take a look at that cost um, very closely. And also make sure you have some sort of security policies of where your data should remain um, and where you want access to that data to be able to um, store, move, and process your network and your ability where you need it. So those would be my three tips.
1: Yes, I think from my perspective, and we sometimes say this a bit tongue-in-cheek, but you know, IT is the business. (laughs) Well, over the past period of time, I think it's fair to say that IT really is the business. So from uh, our perspective, what we look at is, look, what I think over the past few weeks we have demonstrated as IT professionals is our ability to respond to a business need and to successfully deploy productivity tools and, and capabilities that the business might not have even thought it was capable of up until that point. This is your opportunity as as CIOs and leaders in the business to work with the business arguably more closely than you ever have done to help them understand how you can help them preserve cash by moving part of the IT operational model from sort of CapEx to OpEx, and by also working with with business leaders and and segment leaders across your company to look at things that you consider core, things that you consider non-core, where investments should be made to sort of drive the business forward as we as we exit the period that we're in, but now is the time to really, really prove the point about the value that IT brings to an organisation. As I said, as a leader in this business, this is really your time to shine.
2: Yeah, I think the only thing that I would add to that is, um, you know, as we talked earlier about shining and leading as a, as an IT team. You know, this is as Nigel just said, the time to do it, and uh, you know, one of the biggest success factors that I see and I'm sure Nigel and Matt see in projects is the importance of the people you know what we're talking about here today and and then what we're going to talk about in the following episodes is is fundamentally based upon the willingness of the the team to change to change the way they deliver services to change the way they work with a business to focus more on on outcomes and service delivery Um, and that's can be a hard change for some people that have been in IT for a long time uh, but the customers that we work with that are successful at this, at this transition and who do it well and who do it quickly um, are the ones that recognize the importance of the people from, from the outset uh, and bring in those are traditionally siloed teams together. So, you know, my, my biggest tip would be make sure you focus on the people and the teams and bring the right team together you will almost certainly see a a downturn in your success factors if you don't do that. And then that's something I see on every single project.
0: So the people is of paramount importance if you want to do this right. Fantastic, thank you for that, those last comments, um, Lee. Um, We're actually out of time. So Nigel, Lee, Matt, um, thank you for your time and insights today. Um, The next episode is going to be on cloud, which obviously we have discussed in some detail today, but on episode two, we're really going to drill into yeah, you know, what's that optimum model for delivering digital transformation? Um, so, Nigel, I'm going to hand the baton for you uh, here. Uh, what's the kind of elevator pitch? Why should the, uh, the Time pressed listener tune into that episode?
1: Yes, thanks, Doug. So, uh, you know, my observation is that, um, and we're going to talk about this in the next episode, sort of five years ago, you debated whether cloud was the operating model of choice. You don't debate that anymore. It is. So, what this podcast goes into, building some of the work that we've already done here, is to say, right, you know, what do these operating models look like? What is the most efficient way to have a consideration around how you blend this new operating model with traditional operating models, and how you look again as at your application stack and start to make some decisions about placement of workload and how you become respectful of three things: the law of gravity law of economics and the laws of the land and if you join us for the second podcast we will answer all three of those questions thanks Doug.
0: Fantastic great elevator pitch to end uh, episode one there so yeah Nigel thanks for that Um, and of course thanks to you listeners for tuning in today Um, if you like any more information on what we discussed you can head to cio.com, dell.com, intel.com Uh, insight.com or vmware.com or indeed you can contact the trio here on any social platform and, and I'm sure they'll be more than willing to answer your questions but for now I'm Doug Drinkwater thanks goodbye and we'll see you next time